You're listening to an audio sermon by Pastor Bernard Milder from Household of Christ. We trust that you will be encouraged and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. So are you ready for the Word of God? Are you ready to be challenged by the Word of God? Hallelujah. Well, will you please stand to your feet? If you're visiting with us for the first time, we declare the Word of God before we preach the Word of God. So let's do the declaration. Are you ready? One, two, three. I'm a son of God revealed. I'm blessed with every blessing in Christ Jesus. I'm saved. I'm healed. I'm delivered. I'm a life-giving spirit. I accept his sacrifice on the cross and his resurrection power in my life. I'm bound to his word and can do what it says I can do. I receive the word with meekness and I'm changed from glory to glory. I have the God kind of faith. I'm the righteousness of God and will never be the same. Jesus Christ is my Lord. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. As you take your seat, turn to the person next to you, look them in the eye and say, your smile looks better than the last time I saw you. (laughs) Keep on smiling. I know you have a lot of things to be happy about. Amen. Maybe as a Christian, you're going through some challenges, some difficulties. Maybe you're facing the toughest time in your life. But remember, when your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, there's reason for you to rejoice. There's reason for you to be happy. Amen. When our lives are centered around Christ Jesus, we can always say with all confidence, the best is yet to come. Amen. The best is yet to come. So last week we started to share on possessing the land, the promised land, the promises that God has given us. And moving into the promised land, there's always an enemy. There's some giants. And we saw from Scripture that God spoke to Moses to share with the people that the enemy is not the problem. They are stronger than you. They are mightier than you. But God will give you the victory. When Balak called Balaam and he said, curse this people, I see they're going to possess the land. Balaam said, the scripture that we quote so often, God is not a man that he should lie. But the context of that is actually God is not a man that he should lie. Because once he has blessed you, you are blessed. And you cannot change that. And Balaam said to Balak, I cannot curse these people because God has blessed them. And we know that that's a type of the church. Romans teaches us that the Old Testament was written as a pattern unto us. Turn to the person next to you, say, whether you like it or not, you are blessed. Whether you believe it or not, that's up to you. And we, and we saw that obedience is the only proof of our faith. It's not just being partially obedient, but 100% obedient. And that if Israel was not going to be 100% obedient, these enemies will be like smoke in their eyes, burning their eyes. It will be like a thorn in their flesh. They could not compromise, but they had to destroy them completely. The enemy is never the problem. Amen? We saw that the enemy are not human beings. Turn to the person next to you and say, people, people are not your enemy. Say, your boss is not your enemy, your wife is not your enemy, your children is not your enemy. And we looked at Scripture how these enemies are spiritual things that we have to conquer today in our lives. Amen? We have to conquer them. And the first enemy that they faced was even before they entered into the promised land. 
Let me see who of you have got a promise from God. Before they could even enter into the promised land, the Bible says the Amalekites came against them and attacked them. And the Amalekites represent unbelief, doubting. The promise that God has given you, will you believe it? And from Scripture, we can see that the Israelites could not enter into the promised land because of unbelief. Not because of the enemies, because of unbelief. And this enemy will come and challenge your sonship. When you go through a difficult time, what does the enemy say? If you are a son of God, if you are a daughter of God, why are you going through this? Am I talking to the right people here this morning? What did the devil say to Jesus when he was hungry? He says, if you are the son of God, why don't you solve the hunger problem? Turn these stones into loaves of bread. The enemy will always come and tempt you in the area where you are desperate. See, God requires of us 100% obedience, not partial obedience, cheerful obedience. And we said that sometimes people say, I'm happy, I'm going to do it, but I'm not happy to do it. Unhappy obedience equals disobedience. If you're going to be happy to the, towards the Word of God, do it cheerfully. Amen? Not in that way. The second enemy that they faced was when they went into the promised land, as they stepped into the promised land, the Hittites. And the Hittites represent fear. And as soon as you step into that promised land, into that promise, the enemy will attack you with fear. And fear is more deceptive than Satan himself. Turn to the person next to you and say, fear is more deceptive than Satan himself. Fear oftentimes motivates people to do things in their own efforts, their own strength. Many times people make decisions based on fear instead of hearing what God is saying. The next enemy was the Girgashites, and it literally means clay. And you cannot build upon clay. It talks about the instability, people in their minds not being stable. The spirit of the Gergeshite wants you to backslide. Fall away from your first love. And as you enter into the promised land, you're going to have to hold on to Jesus even more. We said ways to be stable. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. One of the ways is when you're in a living church, you can grow and you have brothers and sisters around you that can help you when it sometimes gets a little bit unstable and shaky. Amen. And then we looked at the Amorites. They were boastful and arrogant and would speak down and speak about people. That you would murmur and complain. And many times even Christians murmur and complain. That when you're in the promised land, don't step into that. Amen. And we looked at how Aaron and Miriam spoke against Moses. And what happened the presence of God withdrew, Miriam became a leper, and the camp could not move on. And many times when people say, I've got stagnation in my life, go check and see where you've spoken against anointed men of God, and go make right. It was when Moses started praying that things changed in their life. Amen. So that's quickly, I've just wrapped up everything. 
Balak wanted Balaam to curse God's people, Israel, a type of the church, but he said, I could not. When he looked down at the camp, the pattern how they had laid out the camp looked like a cross. Looked like a cross. You cannot curse the cross because the cross is there to absorb the curse. Amen. So can we go on and look at the last four enemies? People say, why do you talk about enemies? Because if you know the enemy is there, you can prepare. The thing is, most Christians, we say, ah, you are born again. Everything is going to be fine. Everything is going to be perfect. You're living for Jesus. And you think every morning you're going to get up, it's just going to be angels around you singing and hearing worship voices. And who have you discovered that doesn't happen? There's some real enemies. I'd rather know who the enemies are so that I can prepare for the enemies. Amen. So the next one is the Canaanites. And we know the Canaanites, they were a thorn in the flesh. They were a thorn in the flesh. They were arrogant, boastful. And the Canaanites represent money. They were traders. And this is one of the challenges that many Christians face. Because in Matthew 6, Jesus said, I know that you have need of all these things. So the spiritual enemy here is the love of money. Turn to the person next to you and say, money is not the problem. It's the love of money. So they were motivated by greed. They were motivated by lust for accumulation of earthly and material things. When we sang that song, Give Me Jesus, You Can Have This World, you need to get to a place. Job 22 says that God is our silver and our gold. He must be your most precious thing. Amen? So the Canaanites, they were motivated by greed, to accumulate a lot of things. And the promise that God has given you and me in the promised land, there is a lot of blessings. When you look at Deuteronomy 8, verse 17, it says, don't let your heart say, don't let your heart say, when you've gathered all these things, when you've got houses, when you've got calves, when you've got vineyards, when you've got everything, don't let your heart say, my power and my might of my hands have gained me this wealth. He warns them before the time and he says, I want you to watch out for this enemy. That once I've blessed you, that you say, look how hard I've worked. Don't let your heart say that to you. Verse 18, for you shall remember it's the Lord your God who gives you the power to get wealth. He's the one who blesses you, is the one who anoints you, is the one who empowers you to be successful. Is the one who gives you wisdom to do business the way that you do it. Is the one who gives you knowledge that if you're a programmer that you can do it in that way. If you're a doctor, whatever you do. Sometimes I think mothers need more wisdom than anybody else with the children. Amen. Mommy is going to have one amen. He says, it's God that gives you that ability, that power. Why? Because he wants to establish this covenant between you and him. You cannot serve two masters. He's saying, when you go into the promised land and I bless you and you possess and you see the fulfillment of it, remember, you cannot serve two masters. You will either serve money or you'll serve me. True humility is a total dependence upon God for everything. 
Sometimes we can start to trust and rely in our own riches, our own abilities. It's so hard, so how many people on the way to the promised land first have to write the test of the golden calf before they understand the true purpose and meaning of the blessing that God has given them. The gold and the silver that they plundered from Egypt was for the tabernacle. But when they used it for the golden calf, it went wasted. It could never be used for the kingdom. There's a lesson in that. I'm not going to ask, have you written the test of the golden calf? But you can just double blink at me if that's you. The real question, who do you trust? Jesus or money? When you trust in Jesus, you'll be humbled. You'll be sincere. But when you trust in money, you'll take on the nature of money. Remember, why is this so important? Why does God compare himself to mammon? Why? Because the thing that you show the most worth to, you'll become like that thing. The thing that you worship, you'll become like that thing. That's why we worship God and become more like Him. When you honor the Word of God above everything, you'll become like the Word of God who is Jesus Christ. What did Jesus say when he looked at the coin? He said, whose image do you see on this coin? And they said, Caesar's. And he said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. And give to God what belongs to God. What was he saying? He was saying, give to Caesar what is made in the image of Caesar. And give to God what is made in the image of God. Who's made in the image of God? you. Give yourself, surrender yourself completely to God. And as you go into the promised land, you'll face this challenge. You'll face this challenge. Gehazi faced this. Gehazi faced it. Remember, he took money from Naaman after the man of God had prayed for him. And Elisha said to him, you're not allowed to do that. You cannot that which you've received freely the gift of healing, I've received it freely, so I give it freely. I cannot take money and take advantage of people when they are desperate. What would people pay when they have an incurable disease? Anything. You can take advantage of them, but this gift of Christ is for free. And many people fail when it comes to this test. You have to defeat the spirit, the Canaanite spirit in your life. The question you have to answer what does my heart really want from God? Don't answer. Coming to church here this morning, what does my heart really want from God? Judas was around Jesus to get money. Judas was around Jesus to get money. Spent three years with Jesus and never gave his heart to Jesus. said, you are my friend, gave him a kiss and betrayed him for 30 pieces of silver. Paul, Paul, who wrote two-thirds of this New Testament, he said, the Ten Commandments, I can handle them all. 
says, I've got them down to a T. Number one to nine, I've got them. Go read Romans 7. He says, but covetousness, to covet. Now I see my friend driving a newer car than me. I want your car. Want that. Want that. Jesus says, I know you need these things. Who do you love more? Who do you show worth to more? A covetous heart is something that's very dangerous. Turn with me in your Bibles to John 12. Let me just show you something quickly here. John 12 verse 4. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Can you imagine questioning Jesus' motives and why somebody is anointing him? Wow. <laughs> why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor. We should care for the poor. But because he was a thief and he had the money box and he used to take what was put in it. In Luke 22, 3, you see that Satan entered Judas. But because he was coveting money in his heart, he looked at everything differently, questioned everything. And because of that, he took offense. He took offense because money was the number one thing in his life. Just think quickly, the things that have made you most angry most upset, cost relationships and friendships. Was it not money? Can I just see one hand? Am I talking to the right people here? This is the test that everybody is writing. Because of this covetedness, it made it easy for Satan to tempt him. Because of that expectation, he was in control of the money, he was stealing some of the money, as soon as somebody came and gave 300 denarii, he said, why is it wasted? Why is it wasted? And that offense was the very thing that opened up his heart for the devil to enter in. Jesus was saying there to them, you know what? You don't understand what's happening here. She is doing this for her own salvation. She's doing it for the salvation of many because she's doing this for my burial. I'm going to die. And because I'm going to die and I'm going to be made alive, salvation can come to many. This anointing is far more than what you understand or that you see with your natural eyes. Wow. In everything that we do, let's do it in humility and sincerity of heart. You know, this Canaanite spirit even tempted Jesus after he had fasted. And he had fasted. He said, you're hungry. What about some bread? And what did he say? He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Can I tell you something? How you defeat the spirit, because this is relevant to all of us. All of us. You give Jesus Christ's word the rightful place in your heart. When you give Jesus, who is the word, the rightful place in your heart, 
the rightful place, then you'll always give worth to Jesus more than to money. You can be poor and be a friend of Jesus. Can I have one amen? amen. Do you think poor people are not friends of Jesus? <laughs> this is the greatest mistake in the church right now, is that we link spirituality to money. And we think the more money somebody has got, the more spiritual they are. It's an error. God wants you to be blessed, but don't think because you have more money, you're more spiritual. Somebody can be poor and be more upright than a rich man. The love of God's presence brings change in your life. The love of God's presence, the anointing. The love of money is the root of all evil. You cannot compare money with God's presence. Can I have one amen? I think I'm going to teach more on this in the future. Maybe. How difficult it is for a person who puts his trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God. Amen. Can we go to the next one? Have, have, am I helping you, family? You know what? As we enter into the promised land, I want to know. I, I pray and I say, God, I want to finish strong. I want to finish strong. I pray and I say, God, help me. Show me if there's any deception in my heart. Because I want to finish strong. David did not commit adultery when he was in his 30s or his 40s. He committed adultery when he was in his 50s. When he was not busy with what God told him to do. Let me go on to the next one. The parasites. The parasites. They separated themselves and lived in unprotected, unwalled villages. What does this mean? Unprotected villages. They had no discipline. They had no restrictions. Never use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh to sin. Just because you can do all things and be all things does not mean that you should go and sin. Paul wrote to the Galatians and he says, do not use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. He says, love one another. When you go to the next verse, he says, lest you bite and devour one another. When you just start saying things and you eat away at each other, you know, one word can break down somebody. Especially when somebody's walls are not up. And this teaches us when you're going to the promised land, keep your solid front. When David had to face Goliath, he had to keep his solid front. Remain focused when you're going into the promised land, especially when you start seeing the blessings. Amen? Jesus had to keep his focus right to the end. Joseph, Joshua knew that they had to remain focused if they were going to possess the promised land. I read something in the book of Ezekiel. Go to Ezekiel 38 quickly. It says, Thus says the Lord God, on that day it shall come to pass that thoughts will arise in your mind. When you don't protect your mind, thoughts will come. Thoughts will come. When young people just sit at home, not doing anything, thoughts will come. Thoughts will come. Who of you, you don't need anybody around you, you can have a good conversation by yourself. Let me see your hand. 
says here, Thus says the Lord God, On that day it shall come to pass that thoughts will arise in your mind, and you will make an evil plan. You will say, I will go up against the land of unwalled villages. I will go to a peaceful people who dwell safely, all of them dwelling without walls and having neither bars nor gates. Family, listen to me. When you go into the promised land, be careful what you are thinking. Because what happens in your mind will happen in time. Turn to the person next to you and say, what happens in your mind will happen in time. That's why you have to think positive things. You have to be thinking about the good things that God has planned for you. Because if you don't protect, keep those walls up. Ezekiel was warning them and say, be careful when those thoughts come. Because you're breaking down the walls. Proverbs 25, 28. Well, whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. If you cannot control your temper, you think you're breaking down people, you're making yourself vulnerable. The passion says, if you live without restraint and are unable to control your temper, you're a helpless as a city with broken down defenses open to attack. I just get angry. What? You're a Christian. You're born again. You have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. You have to keep your walls up. Remember I mentioned David. 2 Samuel 11 verse 1 says, At the appointed time when kings go out to war, he stayed at home. His God was not up. He was not doing what he was supposed to do. He was not going out to battle to fight, but staying at home, looking at things he should not be looking at. His mind got occupied. He saw a woman committed adultery, and killed a husband. Turn to the person that you say, Aina. Can I tell you something? The enemy is not going to attack you when you're calm and cool. He's going to attack you when you're angry, full of rage, and frustrated. Just drive to Joburg on a Saturday or on a Monday morning. Amen? Then you'll see... Am I talking to the right people here? Was it only pastors that drive to Joburg and have to write this test? With so many things going on, we're a nation that's frustrated. People that are angry. And it's no excuse when everybody is doing it and we are busy possessing the promised land, we should control our temper. Let me tell you something. I'm not going to min- anger. You know why anger is so dangerous? Because when you're angry and you're acting out of anger, you're not in faith. And faith is your shield. Faith is your shield. A matter of fact, why anger is so dangerous, because it's rooted in pride. It's rooted in strife. See, now you don't get one amen. I love you. Anger is rooted in pride. And what does the Bible say about pride? Does God draw those with pride closer to him? He says, no. I resist them when they're full of pride. So if you're a hot head, you're busy breaking down your walls. You're making yourself vulnerable in the promised land. 
Proverbs 18 verse 14 says, A man's courage can sustain his broken body, but when courage dies, what hope is left? The New King James says, A man's spirit will sustain him in sickness, but who can bear a broken down spirit? Who can bear a broken spirit? So I want to encourage you, go and fix those walls, go fix those holes. Amen? Everything which is not of God, work it out. Where you have opened doors, we have broken down walls, go close it up. Amen. Are you okay? Are you, ready? Are you still ready to go into the promised land? Think like, God, why seven in the land and then still outside of the land? Could you not just reduce it a little bit? And then God makes them stronger than what we are. I'm thinking, God... The next enemy that you will face once you're in the promised land and you see the things start happening is the Hevites. And the Hevites claim to promise you a good lifestyle. It's the mistake that the church makes is, is to look at the world and think, that's the life. But that's not the life. It's contrary to us living in the kingdom of God. It's the life that the prodigal son desired. But how did that work out for him? cannot pursue that kind of a lifestyle. Amen. Bad phrases like, if it feels good, just do it. Don't worry what people think. Have you ever done that? I don't worry what people think. No, no, no. You need to have a good testimony. Amen. Don't just go and do things that can damage your testimony. In the promised land, you'll face that. It's the danger, 1 Timothy 6.10. It's the love of money that's the root of all evil. And this has caused even the very elect to fall away. So God does not want us. God does not want that enemy to control us. So you're going to have to make sure that you deal with this once and for all. God wants to give us a good life in the promised land. But these enemies are there. These are spiritual enemies that will come for you in your walk with God. The last one is the Jebusites. And I really hate them. Because it means to trod or to push down, to even put your... Where's my son? I can do it to him. To put your foot on somebody's neck. To squeeze them like that. Have you ever experienced that in the promised land? Ever experienced somebody trying to push you down? They go and they... Where's Jay? Come here. Come run. I'm the only one who can say run. Amen. Let me just tell you something. When he was young, I could see that he was strong already. So I knew if I don't discipline him and train him in the ways of the Lord before the age of 12, 13, I'm going to have problems. It's the wisdom that God gave me. Today, Jaden has got good manners because I trained him when he was young. I didn't try and shape him. If I tried to shape him when he was 16, he'd be shaping me. <laughs> so that's just some free advice for parents. Amen. Train a child in the way that he should go, and when he's older, he will not depart from it. On your stomach, lie down flat on your stomach. And this is what the Jebusites would come and do. Foot on the neck here, squeezing you down, 
squeezing you down. And it doesn't matter how strong you are. Remember, these enemies are stronger than you. When you've been pushed down, you're laying down flat here. It's difficult to get up. Even if you are stronger, if I now have to come and lay down on him here and squeeze him down, push him down, while he's down, to trot, even to walk and what is there, to step on that and to destroy that. Okay, my boy, you can get up. Thank you. Give me a hug softly, softly. <laughs> Love you. <laughs> this spirit is very aggressive. So you have to make sure that you approach it in the right way. It wants to trample you down. So you have to be aware when you go into the promised land that this spiritual attack will be there. It wants to pollute you. Is what the Bible says. It wants to pollute you, to start to compromise. Remember, all these enemies, the Bible teaches us, not one of them is a problem for God. God said, I'll give you the victory over all of them. The only way this in, these enemies destroyed, conquered, Israel, a type of the church, is when they started to compromise with them. The Bible says, do you not know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Your body and your spirit, your heart belongs to God. All of these enemies have to be defeated in the promised land, is what the Bible teaches us. The good news is, God has given you the promised land. God wants to give you the victory. In conclusion, turn with me in your Bibles to Galatians 6. You're going into the promised land. God wants you to possess the promised land. But these enemies are stronger than what you are. So walking with the Lord, here's the key. Verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. He says, this is how you're going to have victory. Finally, at the end, be strong. Let me just see, who of you don't feel strong today? Just be honest, raise your hand. Okay, I'm talking to the right people. He says, he gives this command, then he says, now I'm going to tell you how you're going to be strong. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the vials of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of this darkness, of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. The battle is not against people. If you are fighting people, you're going to get tired. He says, this battle is in the spirit. He says, I want you to be strong. When he spoke to Joshua in Joshua 1 verse 8, he says, be strong and very courageous. Go into the promised land. Verse 13, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. How do you withstand the evil day? With the armor of God. Having done all to stand, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shot your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. 
all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplications in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplications for all the saints. So let me quickly just show you how do you go into the promised land. Whether you, Joshua, Joshua 1, 8, verse 9, or Ephesians here. He says, finally, he says, here I want you to be strong. How are you going to be strong? Put on the armor of God. He says, put on the armor of God. And he says, after everything, stand. Stand. So what is he saying? Number one, who are we standing on? Standing on Jesus Christ, the solid foundation. So he says, when you're going to face the enemy, stand. Stand on that foundation that was laid. Then, number two, turn to the person next to you say, the battle is not yours. Turn to the person on the other side say, the battle is not yours. What did David say to the giant when he faced him? He said, you've not come against me, you've come against God. You've not come against me, you've come against God. You might be shouting at me from a natural point of view. You might be stronger, but I'm in the realm of victory in Christ Jesus, and I'll have the victory. So look here quickly. What does it mean to be clothed with the armor of God? It means you are clothed with Jesus Christ. The Bible says, put on the new man. What is the helmet of salvation? The helmet of salvation is Jesus Christ. By no other man can a man be saved but by Jesus Christ. When you put on the righteous breastplate... What are you putting on? You're putting on Jesus Christ. He who knew no sin became sin so that we can become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. When you put on the belt of truth, what are you putting on? You're putting on Jesus, the Word of God. Who's the truth? You are girded with the truth, the Word. The shoes of the gospel. My Word is a lamp unto your feet. It's Jesus. The shield of faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit, the Word. Sharper than any two-edged sword, being able to cut in between soul and spirit and bone and marrow to discern the intents and the thoughts of a man's heart. So when he's saying here, he says, you're going into the promised land, gear up. Clothe yourself with Christ, because Christ is the one who's given you the victory. Clothe yourself with victory. Clothe yourself with salvation. Clothe yourself with righteousness. Clothe yourself with the truth. Clothe yourself with light. Clothe yourself with the sword of the Spirit, the shield of faith. Because faith becomes the shield. Faith is the shield. When you believe it, you'll walk into that promised land. You'll be a David that's maybe 15 years old. But you're able to keep your solid front. From a natural point of view, the things that you are facing bigger than you. But I'm telling you now, you're in the realm of victory in Christ Jesus. Jesus said, When they were tired, when they were heavy laden, what did he say? Just come to me. Did he say, fast for 40 days? No. Did he say, get your Bible reading up to date? No. Did he say, go pray for three days? No. How many times do you want to, uh, just come to Jesus. I have to sort out a few things. I first have to stop that nonsense. Just come to him. He's ready to clothe you. And when he's clothed you with Christ Jesus, now you can go into the promised land. He says, once you are clothed, let's pray. Let's pray with all supplications. He says, and pray for the saints. There's no greater way to express our love 
than to pray for somebody. Remember, two believers are better than one. Two believers are better than one. So if you're going into the promised land, find a believer and come in agreement with him. Amen? If you know you're going to face giants, clothe yourself with Christ. Get that armor of God. You know, our children from a young age, my wife taught them that she must get the credit for that. Put on the armor of God. Now even before we start to pray, we always put on the armor of God. Thank you, Jesus, for the helmet of salvation, the righteous breastplate, the belt of truth, shoes of the gospel, the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit. Now we're going to go do spiritual warfare. Now we can go and address these things. Now we can do what we have to do in the spirit. But sometimes we want to go fight things. And you haven't even geared up. You haven't even clothed yourself with Christ. When you make a mistake, have wisdom and run to Christ Jesus. Wise people run to Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Are you ready to pray? Please stand to your feet and let's get ready to pray. Amen. Let me hear you say, say, precious father, place a genuine desire in my heart for your word and for your holiness. Pray it again. Say, precious father, place a genuine desire in my heart for your word and for your holiness for your word and for your holiness. Right now, Lord, I put on the new man. I put on the new man. The new man renewed in Christ Jesus. His knowledge, his wisdom, his goodness, according to the image of him who created us. I put on the new man. I put on the new man. I put on the new man right now in Jesus' mighty name. Right now, put on the armor of God. Say thank you for the helmet of salvation, the righteous breastplate, the belt of truth, the shoes of the gospel, the shield of faith, and the sword of the Spirit. Say thank you, Lord. Bless the work of my hands. Bless the work of my hands. Bless the work of my hands. I declare, Lord, the work of my hands are blessed. Bless the work of my hands. Bless the work of my hands in Jesus' mighty name. Let me hear you pray. Say, Holy Spirit of faith, forgive my doubt. Say it again. Say, Holy Spirit of faith, forgive my doubt. Say, Holy Spirit of hope, forgive my self-pity. Holy Spirit of humility, forgive my pride. Holy Spirit of self-control, forgive my greed. Holy Spirit of goodness, forgive my evil deeds. Holy Spirit of love, forgive my unforgiveness. Forgive my hatred. Cover me with your blood. Cover me with your blood. Cover me with your mercy. Cover me with your righteousness and protect every avenue into my life. Protect every avenue into my life. Holy Spirit, help me to keep a solid front as I walk into the promised land. Holy Spirit, help me to keep a solid front as I walk into the promised land. Say thank you, Lord for not allowing my enemies to triumph over me. Thank you, Lord. Every time I stumble, 
Every time I fall, you lift me up. Place a genuine desire in my heart for your word and for your holiness. Place a genuine desire in my heart for your word and for your holiness. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I want you right there where you are, just put your right hand on your heart, raise your other hand to heaven, and pray this prayer aloud after me. Say, Precious Father, my situation is beyond human means. I need the Savior of the world to save me. Save me, Lord Jesus. Wash me with your blood. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I confess with my mouth, and I believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ died for me that is alive right now, making intercession for all my weaknesses. Oh, Holy Spirit, help me to live a holy life, well-pleasing in your sight. I am now a child of the Most High God, in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said, Amen. Hallelujah. If you've prayed that prayer in humility and sincerity of heart, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Your past is over. Don't talk about your past anymore. Your past is Egypt. It's a place of bondage. God is taking you from Egypt into the promised land. The first thing that you have to do is connect to a team. Find a living church and get involved in that church. Number two, discover the dream. Discover your gifts on the inside, amen, that God can use it to advance the kingdom of God. Number three, serve in the dream team, amen. So connect to a team, discover the dream, and then serve in the dream team, amen. Hallelujah. Has your faith been lifted? Hallelujah. Give the Lord a hand, amen. Thank you for listening to this audio sermon. For more information, please go to our website, www.hoc.org.za. Household of Christ, loving God, loving people.